0: You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. everyone and welcome to episode 224 of the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. Today we're in Staffordshire meeting arable and beef farmer Andrew Court. Andrew runs the family's 275 acre mixed farm with his mother and brother. The rotation includes winter wheat, spring oats, spring peas and winter barley, as well as oilseed rape. He studied agricultural engineering at Harper Adams before returning to the family farm. Andrew is also involved with the Institute of Agricultural Engineers, and he's the new chair of the Farmers Club Under 35s Committee starting in 2024. Um, and he's also part of the Just Farmers Network. Andrew, welcome to Meet the Farmers. Thanks for coming on. No, hey, thank you for inviting me, Ben. It's a real honor. Oh, it's great to have you here. Um let's dive straight in. Give us a bit of an introduction to um the farm, maybe some history of
1: it as well, um because it's uh, I think it's from your mum's side side of the family. Absolutely. So, um yes, yeah, so as you say, it it didn't come down down my father's side. It, it comes from my mum's side of the family. Um the farm was originally my great-great uncle and his uh, family were tenants sort of beginning the turn of the century um in the 1900s and that that passed down and then in 1956 the estates that the farm was part of um went bankrupt and they were forced to sell so my grandfather who was looking to move off his own tenant farm at the time was having a conversation with my great uncle and he said you know what this land is uh is better than people think it is You you should put an offer in so my my grandparents uh, put an offer in and bought the farm in 1956. They came here. They were predominantly dairy farmers. They'd been dairy farmers where they were before, as well as being a, a landlord of a pub. And uh, my grandfather was very keen on his vegetables. During the war, he went round clearing people's vegetable gardens because he was too young to, uh, to enlist.
0: <laughs> Hang on. I've, uh, I've, past- ju- I've, I've just got to pause you on the fact that they were dairy farmers and they ran a pub. Did they Were they just yes. massive gluttons for punishment?
1: No, well, I, I don't know. I mean, the pub's still going. It was an absolutely beautiful pub. the The pub was on one side of the road, then the farm on the other, and then between the farm and all the fields was a was a river um, with one wooden bridge to access all the fields, and that generally washed away every winter, <laughs> so they had to rebuild a, a bridge every every spring. Um, so you can understand why they decided they wanted to move. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so yeah, when, when they came to the farm, um, it. it it was a really mixed enterprise. We're very close to um, Swinerton Army Camp, so after the war, it was a, it was a munitions factory during the war, and they bought a lot of the, uh, the buildings off the camp and, and and put them up. So we had uh, we had a shower block as a as a chicken house, and uh, again there were some offices as well. That was a chicken house and uh, an old an old bomb storage unit. That was uh, that was a cattle shed. So yeah, w- when they came. It, it was very much completely mixed, hugely diverse. The dairy cows were the the main enterprise, but there was always a few pigs. There was sheep. There was potatoes. There was uh, the whole of the bottom lawn, as you can imagine. That this is actually a, a former ha- hunting lodge, so it has a very grand garden. Okay, um, and the whole bottom lawn was uh, was down to vegetables. Um, just if they could do it, they were doing it. Basically, wow. Um, and then uh, they had uh, my my aunt, and then my mom, and then my uncle. Through the through the decades, they then continued to to streamline and specialize as everybody did in those times. Um, they bought a second farm and, and ended up with a system where the the dairy cows were on this farm, and uh, a little bit of crop, and then the re- the calves went down to the other farm to be raised as beef animals. Um, and then they sadly passed away, and my, my uncle took over and. Um, during the dairy crisis of 2010, uh, he came out of cows and replaced the cows with suckler cows, so that he could just continue with with the beef line. And then, um, just before COVID, my, my uncle is getting on wants to to scale down. We were biting at the bit, so to speak. So it was arranged that um, that we purchased the the family farm and uh, and took over right at the beginning of lockdown in in April 2020. Wow. So whilst most people were uh, were not sure what to do with themselves and doing a lot of home DIY, we were suddenly setting up a farm <laughs> in what turned out to be one of the driest summers uh, of the century so far. So it was a, a, a really enlightening process. Yeah. Um, Where did you get the farming bug first of all? I assume it was through your uncle. Um. So as a kid i didn't really have very much involvement with the farm I, I had a toy farm that my parents built me for my fourth birthday and my, my grandmother presented me with a, a pedal tractor which was uh, a replica of the, the big one my uncle had just bought for my third birthday um and he used to pedal around the patio with that but but other than that i didn't really have much involvement with farming until my my grandmother passed away when i was 12 and then, because my uncle was on his own, my mum my started coming up to help. Um, and she, in the summer holidays, she'd drag us along with, with her. Okay. And very soon I became gate boy, as everybody does. <laughs> um, and it uh, was desperate to, to learn to drive a tractor. So right at the end of harvest, I was allowed to um, to jump in a tractor in a completely empty field and, and just have a play. Um, and, and that carried on for for a little while and i was allowed to reverse a tractor around uh, reverse a trailer around some bales and i just sort of basically taught myself how to drive a tractor and, and that that's where my, my real bug for for agriculture came from and uh, it's just grown from there it's it's just been a, a an unearthed passion so to speak yeah but i mean did you think that you'd go into something other than farming when i was really young my other my, my real passion was for designing things yeah. and that was inspired by um a cartoon of the wind in the willows that we used to watch I was absolutely enamored with the uh with the caravan that they used to go um traveling around in when when I was uh six and uh at school I actually put that when I grow up I wanted to be a gypsy um because <laughs> I was so uh so enamored by by this uh by this caravan um but that that um, led me to wanting to design things and build things out of wood, which my, my dad encouraged me to do. So actually, growing up, I thought I was going to be an engineer. And right the way through my, my school years, my, my parents said, especially when I found agriculture, that um, by, by all means, if you want to go into farming in the future, then go into farming. But we would suggest that you you do engineering because that will allow you to open many other doors should you decide not to and you've got that that fallback which is very sensible advice so I I did physics and design and technology and all that sort of stuff at school but uh, yeah when I came to choosing universities the the opportunity came to go to to Harper Adams to study agriculture and mechanical engineering all in one so uh, it was absolutely fantastic.
0: Okay tell us a little bit more about your time at Harper.
1: I mean I think uh, my my time at Harper was perhaps a bit boring compared to most people's (laughs) Um, but it it was a a really really good experience you you learn so many different aspects of engineering that you perhaps wouldn't at other universities um, because agriculture in, in as an engineering industry actually encompasses far more disciplines than automotive or aeronautical it's it's there's so many different aspects because the machines are designed to operate in multiple different environments, not just one or two controlled environments which are very easy to replicate. So you would study hydraulics, you would study robotics, you'd study electronics, you'd you'd study soil science, you'd study uh, building design and civil engineering. It is, it's such a huge plethora of different topics with it within agricultural engineering. Now I found it all completely fascinating um and then the the placement year as well actually you you get a bit daunted oh i don't want to do this but it sets you up so well for going into uh, a working environment after university and and already puts your foot through the door at at some big businesses i was very very fortunate i i went to uh to case new holland's plant in basildon as a as a field test engineer so uh, the the job description was basically to to take prototype tractors which were coming through the development process and put them out with farmers to to gain feedback um, and see where the faults were, but also to try and replicate some uh, real life scenarios and test specific aspects of the tractor that they were trying to improve. So um, PTO engagement was the was my real hot topic when, when I was there. This episode is being supported by our primary
0: sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A Plan Rural. The Howden team shares my passion for giving a voice to farmers, and we are both driven to raise the profile of farming voices to a wider audience. Howden Rural do a lot of work on social media themselves, sharing farming accounts and farming stories. They have a rural community blog which shares farmers' experiences. They also support a growing number of initiatives that champion UK farmers, including this podcast. So a big thank you to Howden Rural for supporting Meet the Farmers. Let's widen this out to, to tech and machinery sort of going forward now. What are you most excited about um,
1: that going forward? Uh, I think there's, there's two sort of areas with technology in, in agricultural engineering that are the hot topics at the moment. I think that the first one is fuel or fuel sources whilst it, electrical uh cars are quite viable because the range is so good the 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 power requirements for a tractor um and the the variation in the loading means that that that's possibly not the future direction for for tractors telehandlers are, are a different story because they're Whilst they do a lot of work, they're they're sort of on off. They're just pottering around a yard or something, and there's plenty of opportunities to charge them. Whereas if you want to go ploughing for eight or nine hours, the, there's no battery in the world that can currently uh, cope with that. So things like uh, hydrogen, people believe hydrogen is the way forward, but um, the the technology is not there yet, and the, the safety aspects aren't there. As as someone said to me ten ten years or so ago, that. Uh, what people have got to remember is that if, uh, if you go baling in somewhere like um, uh, Cambridgeshire, where it's quite flinty in places, and you get a spark in the baler, you know, you're not going to try and save the baler. You're just going to run because you've got a small nuclear bomb <laughs> the, in, the, in the field. Um, but uh, but it, it te- I think hydrogen will come, but I think it's a long way away. And I think that um, New Holland have recently launched a methane system, uh, the first production methane tractor and that is out and about working on farms and and the methane can be derived from your from your cattle's poo and the technology's there so i think i think that's going to be the first one where they uh where tractors go i think telehandlers will be will be battery powered but i think tractors will go in a different direction so i think that's the the first real uh interesting thing coming in 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 agriculture and the the other topic I I think is robotics. I think robotic and self driving tractors are coming. I think that it's not the practicalities haven't been fully thought out yet. We're very good at um, in our industry at thinking. Well, we'll think ten steps ahead. That's we'll skip to the we'll skip to the fully autonomous machine that drives everywhere and does everything by its by itself. But for me, I don't think that. Um, I don't think that's quite practical because, with the best will in the world, if if you're collecting bales, for example, the machine can log where it dropped the bale, so it can rem- So it should theoretically know where the bale is to go and pick it up. But um, if it's a round bale, it could roll down the hill. It, it could go anywhere. So I think there's there's still a need for for drivers in certain circumstances, um, and that's why I feel the the hands-free hectare project, which is being run at Harper Adams that that's sort of the nice middle ground and i i I think that project has a really big future yeah no it's
0: there's a lot a lot of excitement in that i think um for lots of people Uh, let's bring this back um to your story on the farm take us back to um i suppose that that time when your uncle says yep time to move on um you're taking the farm on what does that first year look like? Um, what are you doing? What's on the ground? What's happening on the ground? And and who's doing what? How are you working together?
1: So we actually knew this was going to happen um, a year or two in advance because there's some complex things to sort out. Um, and I was actually recovering from ill health at the time. So it, it was the perfect opportunity to, as I recovered, to, to sit down and, and look at things and decide what was the right thing to do. My brother was working for my uncle, um, so he he didn't really have the time. So I I basically took that step back and said, well, what's happening in the future and what do we need to think about? So back in 2018, 2019, um, the Sustainable Farming Incentive, or SFI, and uh, the Environmental Land Management Scheme, uh, otherwise known as ELMS, were being talked about, and it was really looking at trying to Initially, it was looking at trying to force farmers down a, a particular path, potentially by penalising them on their um, on their subsidy. That that was what was being talked about in the initial stages. That hasn't transpired, fortunately. It's a much more encouraging path. But when we were reading all these things and talking to other farmers in the industry, some of whom were sitting on these panels, um, advising on 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 these strategies, that they said, you know what you should really consider going down the more direct drilling routes. And that that was really where we started. We said, well, why would we go out and buy a, a, a conventional plough and a power harrow and seed drill combination um, rather than starting off as we mean to go on? Because we'd only have to swap them in in five years' time and potentially lose quite a bit of money if the market's being flooded by all these second-hand machinery. So we said from the outset we were going to go more arable because that seemed like the, the right thing to do, and then we were going to, to do it as sustainably as possible. So we started on the basis of, of direct drilling, and then it, it sort of naturally evolved from there. As we were setting up, we were approached by Seven Trent. who said, did you know that you're in a, a groundwater catchment zone, which means that they extract water out of a borehole in our area, and they have to deal with the nitrates out of the soil leaching into that water. They then have to treat it. So they said we've got some funding to um for you, to pay for you to put cover crops in, which will uh which is basically a plant between your your two main crops whether it be your your wheat and your your barley for instance um and that absorbs the the plants absorb all the nitrates to to reduce the level of treatment that uh, that seven Trent have to have to give to the water and also it makes the nitrates then available for our for our next crop. So it saves us money on fertiliser. So we, we've naturally evolved down this regenerative farming route. So we started with the crops. And as, as you mentioned in, in your intro, we, we grow quite a wide range for such a small farm. Yep. Um, and then we um, it's evolved to include cover crops. Um, we, we now run trials and training days alongside uh, our, our suppliers on cover crops. And I'm, I'm asked to speak quite widely about them. But also, we then began to integrate our, our beef side of the business into that. And we're, we're on this, this journey to create a, a sustainable and biologically dynamic soil and farming system. Yeah. Just
0: just tell us a little bit more about um, how the, the beef and the arable enterprises sort of work together. Because because your beef, as I understand it, you're, you're grass finishing and, and you're mostly just out on permanent pasture.
1: Absolutely. So we we do integrate grass into our rotation. So uh, when we feel that uh, soil needs rest, um, we will we'll take that field out and plant grass in it for for two or three years. We're we're actually experimenting with a temporary herbal lay the, this time. So instead of just having your grasses and your your clovers, we're we're planting all sorts of different herbs such as chicory and plantain which have other benefits to the animal we 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 do that for two or three years to rest the soil and really build the the soil's biological nature and that will be used predominantly for for our silage Um, but we do have um 50 acres of of what is termed permanent pasture which is uh, grass that can only ever be grass it can't be cereals um and we graze our animals outside as as much as possible in in that system, but they do come in, in the winter. Um, and, uh, that, that creates a lot of manure. We can use the straw from our, from our wheat and barley to bed them to, which creates this manure, um, which we can then recycle out onto the, the arable land as a natural fertilizer. Um, we're looking at taking that a stage further. So rather than spreading it as manure, we, we keep it for a year or two and, and convert it into compost, which is even more nutritious. Um, but also the cover crops, uh, one, one method of uh, destru- destruction, so to speak, of, of the cover crop is to graze them. Animals are the most efficient carbon converters in the world. So we want to get that plant from a, a living organism through to, to, to a carbon source that will feed the the bacteria and fungi that exist within the soil. And um, the one of the most efficient ways of doing that, as I say, is to, to graze. Those plants. So we're we're looking slowly and steadily at, at, at integrating the the animals into grazing the, those plants as well. It's all a very balanced system, and we're try trying to be as self sufficient as we as we possibly can because that helps us with our our weed pressures. Because if we import straw or um, something like that, it can carry or or fodder, it can carry a weed burden with it, which is then something that we have to spend money on on pesticides to to control which we don't want. And um, it saves us having to, to destroy the cover crops with, with herbicides or, or a, a mechanical uh, system, um, such as a, a plough or a power harrow or, or, or something like that. Um, it's, it's just a very nice, well-balanced system. And it gives us another income stream, which is which is always positive. Mm-hmm.
0: Meet the Farmers is brought to you by Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialize in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organizations, and communities like you tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be getting your message out there, and networking with leaders in your niche. RuralPod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk Now you're a 275 acre mixed farm and you sort of sit outside this rhetoric of some people who say oh you've got to get bigger and specialize and take on lots of contracted land or you've got to be very very small and niche you're sitting in the middle as yeah a, a sort of small to mixed
1: farm how are you making it work? It's, it's a good question when we were setting up the business we i did an awful lot of financial calculations and working out what our costs would be so the one of the biggest costs in setting up a system is the capital investments in in machinery whether it's brand new or second hand it, it costs a fortune yeah um i was thinking uh in the in the car earlier uh the tractor that we've got on the farm some aston martins are cheaper than, than that tractor it's <laughs> Just, just to give listeners an idea as to how expensive some of this stuff is, you, you could be driving an Aston Martin or a Ferrari for, for less money than than a lot of tractors on the roads. It, it's all about making sure that you're being cost effective. Do, do you need the size of tractor that you're purchasing? um Do you need this? Do you need that? um And, and really, attention to detail in the finances makes it justifiable don't get me wrong we would like to expand another 100 or 200 acres would make the farm probably its most viable um or most efficient uh and cost effective system but we are turning a working profit with the system that we are running on the scale that we are running and it's just by being very financially savvy and actually questioning everything that's that's going on and thinking do i need to do that don't i need to do that okay you also came into farming at i mean when is
0: an easy time but i mean over the last few years you you came in straight into covid then of course you had the the massive um fertilizer price increase as as a result of the war in ukraine um what have your challenges been and, and how have you how have you sort of got through those
1: it, it, I think COVID was very much sort of business as usual because it's a small family farm. As, as you say, We're in, I'm interacting within my bubble. There was no worries with staff or or anything like that. Um, it was just a case of um, crack on and, and not do any sort of external activities, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, COVID was not a, a, an issue for us. Um, the the costs, the war in Ukraine, the um, spiralling uh material costs because of hs2 and um other big building projects going on that that's had a real impact on the development of our business so fertilizer we we are gradually scaling down our fertilizer and fortunately whilst the fertilizer price went up so too did the um, sale prices of our grain so that sort of offset itself we were simply turning over more money for the same level of profit so to speak but material inflation um when we started we wanted to go into pigs and have a bed and breakfast pig unit um and when that project started a, an all singing all dancing shed would have been 250,000 pounds roughly yeah um, but by the time planning permission was granted and, and we got through the, the 18 month process, it, it got it became 400,000 oh, wow. pounds, which is a, a staggering increase in costs. And the, the profitability of the scheme ha- hadn't increased by the same amount, so the payback time had almost doubled. Um, so it wasn't financially viable, so it's been quite restrictive in that sense. Uh, with the cost, the cost of materials and things like that. Let's go on to your sort of uh,
0: wider interests, and you, you I mean you're keen on. I mean, sort of sticking within ag still, still sticking on that side, but you're you're keen on professional development. Um, run us through some of the things that you've done so far, and and why why you do this? Why do you think it's important?
1: Uh, I think it's easier to do the why first. Um, so having come through a, an engineering degree there's lots of professional development within that industry within the multiple different disciplines um so i, I was already taking part in in engineering style um professional development events and and i enjoyed them it, it was a good way of keeping in with the industry and keeping tabs on sort of the wider profile of what was going on w- within your specific area um within different companies and things like that so when it came to farming and i was basically having a complete change of career I, i'd not really had the education in farming so it was necessary for me to get out there and and learn stuff so i, I sort of approached it in the same way that you would professional development and, and going out i've been been on courses um at harper and at a, a farm ed in uh, gloucestershire um and I, I've been to webinars and read articles and it's it's just about keeping keeping tabs on everything but I'm also working towards uh, a a chartership in environmentalism um, which is currently offered by the Institute of Agricultural Engineers but it is available through uh, other institutes yeah. um, mm-hmm. and um, well you and I Ben we, we we're both Oxford Farming Conference Inspire Scholars so and and that This year is sponsored by uh, the Institute of Agriculture and Horticulture, and they are trying to set up a more controlled version of professional development within uh, agriculture. And uh, it very much aligns with with my thoughts and feelings that even in farming, you you need to keep pushing and developing because otherwise, how will your business? Absolutely. Absolutely you are also very
0: freshly announced as the new uh, chair um, of the under 35s group at the, the farmers club um when did you first get involved with the farmers club um why and, and what what's what's it about i'm not sure whether we've talked
1: about it much on the podcast before um so so the farmers club is a a space in london it's very close to big ben in whitehall um where Members who come from all areas of the agricultural sector can can meet and and eat and um, drink and be merry, um, network and, and stay. It's it's a safe place for farmers to stay in London in a nice central location for for not a comparably large sum of money. Uh, that that was always the principle. It was a meeting space for peop for farmers in the capital um, when when it was founded. I became involved again when I was looking for ways of becoming chartered. Um, I came across uh, a branch meeting of a, of a institute of a local institute, and they'd had somebody from the farmers' club speak about the club. And I thought, oh, what's this? So I googled it, and I found it, and uh, I saw that they got a, a, as was an under thirty section at the time. Um, and I was going through the events and uh, it it was basically they they had uh, a couple of farm walks a year in different regions um and they also had a number of dinners which meant going to london but networking with with farmers from around the country of of a similar age and not not just farmers but vets farm accountants yep. all sorts um it's a really diverse group of people so uh i i emailed the, the secretary and and she very kindly invited me along as a guest to to experience it and see what I thought of it. Um, so I I, I did that and uh, I, I met my uh, my girlfriend that night oh, wow. for the first time. Um, and then uh, I, I joined right at the start of COVID, and I, I've been to a number of dinners. I, I've then joined the committee, and we we now uh, and and risen through the ranks, as you say, to to chairman for 2024. And it we just run a, a huge array of different events for for our members. Some of it is educational. We we have a fund specifically for education of of our members, and that that is offering professional development style talks and training days on all different aspects of farming, whether it be marketing, business management, succession. Uh, we've done one on regenerative farming, and then as I say, we've got the the farm walks, we've got networking events just casual drinks um and it, it's just really utilizing that space for people up and down the country to come and and experience and enjoy farming and talk about farming um it's it's a really wor- worthwhile organization and, and I, I do owe the club a lot because my, my girlfriend recently turned into my fiance so uh yeah it's, uh, it's a really good place for
0: that as well yeah
1: thank you very much um,
0: if that sounds of interest to anyone which i'm sure it probably will to some listeners um how do they get involved
1: um so initially i would uh, google the farmers club and it should uh, bring up the website there is uh, a contact us page and and the membership forms if you do want to get signed up but yeah it, it's it's open it's open to everybody but the under 35s are are going strong and um yeah i'd i'd encourage everybody to check it out Just a
0: little more about our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for Aplan Rural. Same people, different name. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. So for more information, visit howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural. Now you've got a lot going on at the moment with your various hats. Um, so I'm guessing there's not, let alone planning a wedding now as well. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I'm guessing there's not much more you could do at the moment. But looking into the longer term, um, what are those opportunities for you um, on the farm or, or otherwise? What are you most looking forward to over the next sort of decade or so?
1: Um, so uh, I think that the, the key the key one for the farm is that we we do need to expand a bit. Um, whether that be through contracting, share farming agreements or, or whatever it might be. We, we certainly have the capacity with, with what we've got and set up now to really um, bring down the cost of production by taking on more land. HS2 has actually been a real um, roadblock to that, although we're, we're not on the path of HS2 um, for, or for stage two of HS2. All of the the local estate has had uh, its tenant far- tenant farms carved up, and they've had to seek extra lands to maintain the tenancies, and that's really stitched up the rental market in the area. Um, but with the government's announcement that that's now being um, stopped, hopefully more opportunities will come. Um, so, so that would be our, our main goal, sort of farming wise, to to develop. Uh, to to grow a bit and also to improve, continue to improve our work-life balance. It it is a really big thing in farming. I think that there is a a transition from farming just being a complete way of life and and everything that you breathe to being, okay, no, the farm is our business and we we need that that personal time Um, because there's so much more pressure on on a or instant pressure on on all of us these days with the rise of technology and instant messaging and things like that it's it's very easy to to create these very high pressure situations which our our grandparents would never have had they just sort of get on with it they wouldn't panic about what the weather forecast is saying or anything like that because it wouldn't be there so I think that those are the the farm's goals uh personally um as you say get married um i'd really like to do uh, a nuffield scholarship in the future but I, I also would like to finish my my um basis and uh, facts qualifications which are my my pesticides advisory qualification and and the same for fertilizers and um, just so i've got that under my belt i just want to be stable and happy and have a a great farming business sounds like a good plan um we're going to start to move towards the end. Um
0: have got the quick questions, first of all, which are a bit of fun. Um, your all-time favourite song?
1: Oh, well, I'm glad I listened to other people's answers uh, in the <laughs> last few days because uh, I, I think that uh, after last weekend where we were dancing and celebrating with our friends, our engagement, it'd have to be any S Club 7 song, but Brilliant. probably particularly Reach or Bring It All Back to You.
0: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>
1: And uh, all-time favourite book? Uh, i probably have to go down the author route here. I'm a stickler for crime, uh, classic crime fiction, so either Dorothy L. Sayers or Agatha Christie or even um, P.G. Wodehouse, Jeeves and Worcester. Brilliant. Yeah, lovely. Uh, those would be my uh, my top picks. Excellent.
0: And the final questions. Um, Andrew, your message for the public,
1: what is it? Oh, this, this is, uh, yeah, my most tricky one probably in a similar vein to, to to other um guests that really do question what you're seeing in the media or or what you're um purchasing in the shop Think things are, are are manipulated sometimes um particularly on, on social media and, and things like that so so really just just question and and ask the question if you see a story about farming or if you uh, you you pick up a, a product and and wonder where it's from, can, can you can you trust that? Um, because we have the highest welfare standards in the world. Where, when you see something that's a bit questionable, was it actually filmed in this country, for instance? But far, farming is a brilliant industry, and uh, if you have any questions, do approach your farmer. Um, and your message for your fellow farmers? Um, I'd say keep up the good work um farming is changing and and we perhaps do need to change I, I realize that we we do go through very long periods of different fashions in the 80s we were trying to make everything big and large scale and now we're we're trying to change uh our farming systems again and and i can understand why people might see particularly regenerative farming as a fad but honestly your farm is your farm your soil is your soil that just because your neighbor's doing it doesn't mean it's going to work for you but do do question if you do need to continue working in this way for the long term and for for what you want for generations to come yeah it does seem like more and more
0: farmers are having that conversation with themselves um finally your recommendation for a blog podcast or social media account to follow which can be farming or non-farming
1: so i think i have three instagrams to to suggest the first would be castle belties which uh, a friend of mine runs uh, she and her family raised belted galloways and they, they just started doing that through covid just you'd follow the story of their galloways and, that, and then off the back of that they've launched a beef box business but it's Great. it's really good fun to watch um Batemore farms in um norfolk i've been following them for a while it that's really good fun really honest view of farming and she's doing absolutely amazing things um and then uh bbc weather presenter becky woods is uh her partner is a farmer as well so her instagram account is full of everything she's got weather updates for you which is great for farmers <laughs> she's got uh milking updates at 4am on a sunday and she also does a bit of horse riding and has dogs as well so that there's something for everybody on her account so uh, those would be my three recommendations uh super shout outs we'll put all those in the show notes um
0: Andrew that's it it's flown by Uh, but thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast telling us about your story and yeah good luck for everything going forward and um, yeah congrats
1: on uh, the engagement as well. No thank you very much Ben it's been an absolute pleasure.
0: That is it for today. Uh, We will leave it there. A big thank you to my guest, Andrew Court, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Thanks to our primary podcast sponsor, Howden Rural Insurance, um, who support the show. Without their support, um, the show couldn't really happen. any extra information is in the show notes. Um, any links mentioned today, they're also there. Next time um, will be our final episode of the year. And I'll be joined by a brand new panel of guests for our big farming quiz of the year when we'll reflect back on the year in farming. Really looking forward to that. But yeah, cannot, cannot believe how quickly this year has flown. Um, for now, though, I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you'll have a great week.